Well, listen, everybody, we have a very, very special guest today. We have the one, the only, you will find out after the intro. Mo, give me the countdown. Let's go, baby. Three, two, one. What's going on, everybody? This is Jabril Salam. And Muhammad Hassan. And you are listening to the Young and Muslim Podcast. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Mm. That, that's good. The acoustics in here are good. I was not to... expecting that intro. <laughs> 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 okay. Welcome to that the came show. out of nowhere. Welcome We're to the talking, show. And then all of a sudden, he went into. <laughs> you go on the podcast. Look, you got to like cut it. It's a, you got to cut it oh, on. Man, you guys just went straight into it. You got to cut it on. But okay. just because the intro is now in doesn't mean that we want to stop the flow. Because we had an awesome flow going on beforehand. And we want to continue with that to introduce this amazing guest, Lisa Vogel. I did not realize that we weren't recording before, so I thought the show was going on, but I guess we're just starting. Well, <laughs> we got something up for the people that are that are wondering what we're talking about, because all that, yeah, we were recording, but if, yeah. if they don't subscribe to certain things, yeah. Patreons, then they don't get to hear about Mo's rib. Yeah. Yeah. Chill, how to not eat pork. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. They, don't, they don't get all that good stuff, right? <laughs> Hold on. So for those listening who do not know Lisa Vogel, she is an entrepreneur, a badass mother, um, activist, oh, I don't, humanitarian. I don't, think, I don't think. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm. It depends. Yes, yeah, certain it. words. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I, hold on, though. When you say that, yeah. I don't think that was. You was like, yeah, she's a badass. Mother. I am like, a badass. Run with it. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, but, but like certain people are like, yo, you need to call child services. She's a badass mother. Like what? <laughs> so she, they shouldn't be listening if they don't know what's going on. Right. <laughs> oh no, no, we must help. No, no. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. I don't yes, no, interrupt. it's, all, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Lisa, right? Thank you for joining us. Um, we want to start off with a few things, right? We want to figure out who Lisa was in the past before we have the great product that you are right now. Who was Lisa back in high school? Oh God, you're throwing in some like serious questions <laughs> at me. Like, I. Th- there's a lot of me when I was in high school. I was this insecure, you know, mm. like cared about what people thought um, person. I, and I, 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 I tried to please other people. Mm-hmm. That's who I was in high school. You know, mm. if you really want to get to it of like who I was. Mm-hmm. On a religious aspect, I was always religious and connected to God. I was a devout Christian, actually. Mm. I was like the one person in my family. I went to Bible study on Thursdays. What? I went to Bible camp. Hold on, hold on. What is Bible camp like? Oh, okay. So I went to Young Life Camp uh, in Minnesota. It's for Christians where you accept Jesus Christ. Mm. You know what I mean? Do you get baptized there? No, you don't get baptized. I was baptized as a child. Okay, gotcha. And you stand up in front of everybody and declare that you are accepting Jesus Christ. And basically, if you don't, you're going to hell. <laughs> so did, did anyone go to the camp and be like, no, I'm good. It's kind of like, okay, I got to stand up. Otherwise, like, I'm not going to be seen as, like, religious. <laughs> Is that, like, almost the same form of the Muslim just stating this sh- shahada almost in a way? But, yeah, essentially. That's essentially the same thing. Like, like mm-hmm. so Christians, it's like you are accept. This is not me accepting it. It's just repeating it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, she's like, going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yeah. and you are doing it in front of everybody. It's not okay. like you have to do that in front of everybody uh, to be a Christian, but that's essentially what you're accepting. So yeah, it's like their version of the Shahada. Mm. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Hey, scoot, scoot her. My, yes, push it. Move it this way, okay. and then point down a little bit. Okay. There you go. Perfect. 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 Cool. And we're going to just keep that in because. Okay. Of, <laughs> 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 uh, so so. You've always had that spiritual spark, which is mm-hmm. really cool to know because a lot of times um, when people talk about before they were Muslim, you hear a lot of people say like they had no religious background mm-hmm. or they went through such a dark tunnel that that was the only light that was shining. Is that the case with you? People like to make reverts out to be these like past drug dealers <laughs> on the streets. Yeah. Like, it's like, shut up. Like, that's what I want to say. Like, Ugh. no, like a majority of these like reverts had like these normal, like, I mean, I should be careful with that word. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but not these like crazy paths that they like to make us out to be. I had a, obviously I had my own trauma in my childhood, mm-hmm. um, but I had a pretty good, very good upbringing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, good parents, mm. good siblings. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, no, I've never done a drug in my life. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it has to go true. Say no to drugs, guys. <laughs> that is my <laughs> reverse story. <laughs> like, sorry. So I don't have an interesting story there. So so you, you converted, what, you're coming up on 10 years or just over 10 years now? I reverted, converted. I really don't care about the word. People mm-hmm. get all sensitive over it. Yeah. Um, July 29th, 2011. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you, so just, crossed been... ten, you just crossed 10 years. Congratulations. Yeah. Nice. Decade. That's awesome. Thank so, you. So what did you find that kind of brought you closer? Because like Jabril said, you had that sense of spirituality. Was it something that was lacking in the Christian faith that brought you somewhere else? Or were you just kind of... Yeah, like, basically, like, I had always believed in Jesus. I had always Mm -hmm. believed in one God. And that's another misconception of when we look at Christians that we just automatically think that they believe in three gods. No, they, like, in their heart really believe in one God. Yeah. Mm. Um, But there's things that just didn't add up to me. And I think because uh, it was kind of shoved as, like, fear... You're going to hell if you don't believe this. Mm-hmm. So you believe in God and you want to be- and you want to like convince yourself this is this is it. Yeah. But then there's something in your heart where it's like questions that would always pop up, like what if they didn't receive the word and they're five years old? What happens to them? You know, it's like Christians could not answer it, and wh- whoever you were speaking to made up answer i don't care what they say i don't care what you tell me it's they're just a, freestyling a hundred percent like i don't i will tell that to any single pastor like like priest mm-hmm. they are making it up mm-hmm. there is nothing in the text that will give you a specific answer for that yeah you know and like islam mashallah like it has an answer for everything mm-hmm. and so those all those doubts uh, that i had that I had, you know, the doubts that I had for Christianity, Islam answered, mm-hmm. you know, and why are we, we're, why are we worshiping Jesus? Do you, the biggest, the biggest, um, like mind blowing experience for me, which seems so simple as a Muslim, mm-hmm. but when you're shut, when something's shoved down your throat your whole life, you tend to not really think outside the box. Yeah. Is why is, if God is so powerful to create you, why would he need to sacrifice something to forgive you? And so that to me is where I started opening up my eyes. Like mm. Allah will not need to sacrifice or anybody, let alone a prophet, to forgive your sins. He's 
powerful enough to create you, he's powerful enough to forgive you. Yeah. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, I feel... I feel as though in the Christian faith, there's a lot of humanization of Allah and not in certain aspects because there's certain hadiths that give, it paints a picture of who Allah is, right? Mm -hmm. Like Allah said, he reached his hand down. So, or something of those nature, right? We, we were speaking with Butch Ware and he was explaining this to us. But in the Christian faith, it's, it almost seems as though the humanization is almost too human, yeah, almost 100%. down to our level. And, and so I think that question that you asked is a question that a lot of people that come from Christianity, my dad, for example, he was like, he was like, there's no way that God is some white guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we get this pain, this image and he's like, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't seem. Because then when you ask it, you're like, okay, so then if we're worshiping Jesus and Jesus is God, so then God killed himself. Yeah. Like really like mm -hmm. break it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God needed to sacrifice. Himself. Like they can't answer it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't equate, add up. It doesn't add up. Right. So that's that's interesting because uh, you know now that you're on that journey how do you relate to people that have those questions now like are you like hey here's a pamphlet or so because i i would imagine you, you know you have a pretty big platform and and you do amazing work so i imagine that a lot of people approach you and say hey look i have these questions what do you tell anyone that is interested or looking that realm of like converting i mean um i'm always like I, I do talk to them in a sense of like hey i understand where you're coming from because i was in your shoes and here are the questions that i had mm -hmm. um and a lot of people that are on the cups of you know wanting to revert um you know I, I i told them all the things that didn't make sense to me i'm very careful to not just put it in people's faces mm -hmm. uh because i think it's a matter of respect i don't want to just be this walking like my religion's right your religion's wrong yeah, yeah. i think right. one of the most important things is is to not be afraid to live and breathe you know and be have conviction with you know my religion so like people actions speak louder than words mm -hmm. if they see me strong in my religion they're going to be more curious and want to ask more questions mm -hmm. like i am not afraid to pray in the middle of public and at the airport i do not care who's there so i think it's about like if i'm a walking you know um i think that that's more that speaks more dawa for anybody is that i have to live and breathe it myself and yeah, then they become curious mm -hmm. that's, that's interesting that she says that because i spoke with one of our good friends vince and vince is um, I don't know what the, the right term is, but he practices Christianity with the Ethiopian church. Yeah, Ethiopian. Uh, Ethiopian Orthodox, Orthodox. I think that's what it is. Ethiopian Orthodox. And he tells us all the time. like Your hat's very interesting on the topic, by the way. Interesting, right? <laughs> and and like, I, I, got, I, got it from, I got it from my Muslim aunt. So it was like, okay. I was like, you know what? I got to wear it. A right? Muslim got that for you? Oh, mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> right? Did right? you realize what's on top of your hat? Yeah, the unk. Egyptian. Okay, are you sure your, your extended family didn't get that for you? <laughs> they, look, he tried to put the pork on the plate, and now he put the hat on my head. This is, it's a pork, it's a pork. Okay, sorry. He, he finally infiltrated and got me. That's you guys didn't know. It's, I didn't even interrupt you. I'm just staring at your hat, like <laughs> on the topic. It might not be young and Muslim anymore, guys. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Um, yeah, I lost my turn. So <laughs> I'll jump in. Oh, so, I was I was sorry. talking about Vince. Um, yes. Vince, we we just talked recently. He was saying how seeing us pray and make that effort and um, that transition. Cause I mean, I, we're very transparent on here. Like I was drinking and drugs and all that in college. And then I came to my senses about it. And I was like, this religion is so common sense. It's common sense why I shouldn't do it. Yeah. And so I stopped and he noticed that. And he was like, 
you made me a better Christian from that. And I didn't talk to him. There was no like, bro, you need to sit down and think about better, God. You made him a better person. Yeah, it made It him wasn't the shaming moment. It oh, was yeah. that you made mistakes, you repented, and you were going to change and be better. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, to, do it, and to do it without, um, you know, like a loud announcement. Like, yeah. I'm done hanging yeah. out with you guys at the bar. No, like, it was, no, it's kind of just like I just yeah. pulled back a little bit. Those sort of actions, kind of what you're saying, is what I've noticed that makes the biggest difference for people who are non-Muslim to mm-hmm. make that shift in their heads. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so how are you able to keep that sense of individuality? Like, how are you able to be Lisa? Because I know whether it's reverse or just a Muslim trying to be a better person, sometimes we get so consumed with the religion that we lose ourselves. So how did you remain yourself by the same time, kind of go through your journey of becoming a Muslim? So, like, I... Th- feel like there were certain moments in my life and I think almost trauma in my life uh when so many and like I don't want to act like like alhamdulillah like the amount of tests I've had is like nothing compared to some people in this world so I don't want to like um you know like alhamdulillah I've had so many blessings but because of what I went through I feel like um when you go through something you either can be like screw this. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be me. I'm going to do what's important to me and love myself. And like, I don't fit the box on anything. Like I love country music and <laughs> I will, like, like I will be jamming with country music and a freaking Abaya on. And I, it saw, uses, the, I, I saw your IG post. Yeah. 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 And it's real. Like it's real. Like my kids are like these Pakistani kids and they're like singing country music. I'm like, this just does not <laughs> add up. <laughs> Like, nothing fits a box, you know what I mean? And I refuse to be in anybody's box but my own. And I think Mm -hmm. when you go through things, you decide to be like, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to be me. And so that's kind of how I've just been living my life um, the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's like I found myself, you know. So you got to this point where you converted. Mm -hmm. You you found your light, you found your fitra, as Mm -hmm. you will, right? Then you start a modest fashion clothing line. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you when you said you went That was all about out, five years later, by five, the way. It was like five years later. Yeah. I mean, still, like, I mean, some of us have been Muslim our whole lives and we never thought that, you know what I'm saying? Like, we never thought that as an option. So. Well, it's not like you really think about having to pair hijabs with. <laughs> no, but, no, but us, obviously, yeah, right? I know what you mean. I'm over here selling all Yeah, but, but, but people have, people like, people were doing it, mashallah. You know okay. what I mean? But I felt like, um, and there's still like, there's a lot of great brands out there. Yeah. Um, but I felt like there wasn't anything that spoke to American Western Muslims. Everything had this like Desir Arab undertone yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And so many millions of, a, of Muslims were born and raised here that have, an American fashion sense, you know? Yeah. And so I felt like that was what was missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, American fashion while being modest. So yeah. did you, cause you were a college graduate and, um, you were one of the top ranked NCAA softball players. Shout out. When you rank, you rank. Exactly. I know. Exactly. I just. <laughs> <laughs> take, take that word. Trust me. We got, the, we got one. We got one. Of the, we are like the number one podcast in like the smallest country in the world. <laughs> hey, we're still number one. In Sri Lanka, yeah. we're number one. So yeah. did you study business in college? Did you study fashion? And what, when you converted or reverted and you started your business five years later, what did you do kind of in between that time to get you to that launch? Um, I, I do have a degree in marketing mm-hmm. and then cultural studies, but everything that you learn in college will teach you nothing in business. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Like I... 
I obviously am going to, you know, push my kids to do college just to have the education, but Mm -hmm. you really learn on the job and you learn from mistakes. Um, I learned from a lot of mistakes. so the as far as the business portion of it, after college, um, I went and got a degree in photography because I was going to be a photojournalist. Hey. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a political photojournalist. Um, I don't know. It's going to be kind of a new goal. I'm going to try to pursue that now hey. in addition to this. You're in the perfect area. I know. For it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but fashion kind of just came up because... I reverted at the same time I was in photography class and I was doing these, doing some fashion photo shoots, you know, kind of for fun. And then I felt like because of my newfound faith, I did not want it to be the cause of objectifying women, you know? So I felt like it was a moral issue for me and modest fashion was almost like not even like a thing as far as the way you see it now. It was just not out there. So I paired up with my friend. Do you guys know Yaz Despaz? Yaz Despaz. No, tell us about. Okay, oh, she's like one. Of, she's like an OG as far as like influencers. Really? You guys need to know her. Okay. Like I said, like way older than you. Um, <laughs> she keeps she keeps throwing that out. By the way, we are, we are grown men here. Because <laughs> you're grown men, but I'm still way older. Like. Um, so we paired up, uh, and we did these photo shoots. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, they went viral. And that's kind of how I ended up into the modest fashion game, but I was doing it for as a photographer. And I started working gotcha. with all these brands overseas. Um, and then I was like, why is this not in America? You mm-hmm. know, and that's how the I started thinking about it. And, stuff. Yeah. And, then I be- and then I got married, became a mom. I sold all my photography equipment. And um, I'm just somebody that I'm not that I was an at-home mom, you know, but I need to be keeping busy. Yeah. This is what I'm going to say, like to go, I think a lot of men fantasize about having a stay at home wife, but I don't, I was the picture perfect wife too. Like dinner yeah. at the, when he came home, like, Oh, that's not reality. It's not <laughs> yeah. like I need that's... to be like feeling like I'm doing some, you know, yeah. more. And so I would get involved in like charity and stuff just because like, that's what I love to do. And, but I had to do more. But I feel like a lot of women and men, fantasize that stay-at-home mom sort of dream reality but a lot of women get into it that I know and then they're like well what do I want to do I can't stay at home all day all the time like it, it gets depressing it's real like I feel um even if like let's just say the man is providing like he should you know as far as like maybe taking over you know um and the woman doesn't need to work right I feel like it's sometimes more challenging just to stay at home and just be with the kids all day long. Um, it's some people they love it. It's whatever they prefer, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, I had to be doing something. So I want. Uh, I was curious. So when you were going into this uh, fashion or like modest space, how did you maneuver something so new? Right? How 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 did you kind of? Because I'm sure there's a lot of roadblocks, and you haven't seen other people that did it. So how are you like? This is gonna I actually do work. And think later, like. <laughs> Like, seriously. Yeah. Sometimes I just go head in completely. Like, I met my partner a lot, and I was like, hey, let's do this. You know, we need it. She had already, like, six months before we met, she was doing her own modest fashion thing. And we met uh, in awesome. Ramadan in 2014, and we're like, let's pair up. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how it happened. Mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah. I just, like, sometimes you just got to take the plunge and do it. But How did you know that she was the one? For, for your 
business ventures? I mean, we just like connected right away. You know, she's very bubbly and like she's got great design and stuff. Um, and we're hoping with our relaunch, you know, we're gonna, you guys Inshallah. are gonna see all of her. I like that little, like, I like that little shameless plug. That's <laughs> <laughs> she's like, that wasn't even a plug, actually. It's the re- reality. She's she's very talented. You know what I mean? So I felt like it was just a good fit where um, I could handle marketing and like I, I do design here and there, um, but she's really talented and what she lacked, I felt like I added to the table and what I lacked, she, you know, filled the gaps. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so looking at the chain of, of events, you, you graduated college, you got into photography, you started your business and then you got married. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wait, let me go. Yeah. So I went to, I went to college mm-hmm. photography and mm-hmm. then, uh, then I got married and then yeah, kids and then, then started Verona. Then you started. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to like think about Hold what on, So you it. started a business. Wow. I was, I was pregnant. I was, I had already had a baby and I was pregnant for my second. Yeah. And you decided to start Man. a business. I don't like, I just do things. I'm like, I'm going to do it and nothing stops me. Yeah. With two kids. I was, giving, <laughs> I was in labor on my computer. <laughs> no way. Well, luckily Gotta get this I was. <laughs> what was everybody else? I was else? like, it was going to be a long wait. So I was just sitting there, you know. Was what was everybody else saying? What's that? What was everybody else saying around you? Just like, oh, my no. mom was on her way flying in, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, when she knows going to labor, she was coming in, and then my sister was coming in from LA, and I, I guess panel, w- something what I meant was like, hey, you know, you you have a child, you have another child, you're gonna start a business, like you should just relax. Were those some of the kind of the conversations of people putting in your ear, or were they just like, yo, we know Lisa? No, my mom knows me. Like okay. she, they just they gave up a long time ago. Trying to <laughs> <laughs> I was the child where, like, I was 18 years old. Like, if I ever had a daughter, I would never let her do the things that I was out doing. Like, I would call my mom and be like, Mom, I'm in London. You know what I mean? Like, just randomly. Like, yeah. they gave up. I mean. <laughs> but but that we're seeing that more now, though, that the yes. women are, they're the trailblazers. They're the ones that are starting the businesses. They're the ones traveling. They Look, I'm not going to lie. Half the reason I started traveling is I was like, listen. I know the woman that I'm going to marry is already going to be out there doing all these dope things. It's like you got to experience things. For sure. And, and I think a lot of Muslim men especially, and I would say men overall, men overall like they, huh? they put themselves in this box of like work, yeah. money, yep. and no life experience of doing anything. So then they get married or get in a relationship and they're horrible at it because they have no sense of what goes on outside of their lives. Yeah, just, yeah. And they're also intimidated because <clears throat> you have somebody else that is crossing over into that box that your brothers had mentioned that you've been trying to secure for so long, right, as a man. So what I wanted to ask you as, you know, running a successful company, alhamdulillah, how did that kind of affect your relationship? You know, was there some insecurity that kind of creeped in? Just like, man, you know, you are out there doing something great and you're also starting to provide as well. So, like... I, you know, obviously we can talk about, you know, what issues I face because I'm pretty public about it. But like one thing that he was very with a grain of salt, like he made sure that he took care of all of the bills and stuff. He was Mm -hmm. it was like a pride thing. He didn't want me to touch. But at the same time, there was also financial abuse, too, because like I was not allowed to buy anything. I had to sleep up on a blow up mattress and like the only furniture that we had. He didn't want me like adding to the um to the household income it was like a pride thing but Mm -hmm. then i was also not allowed to spend money too so Mm -hmm. we can get into that later yeah i mean with this being domestic awareness abuse month that is something that we recently learned about the different aspects of 
domestic abuse and it isn't always violent and we don't you know we would like to get into particulars of you know um of your situation but we didn't know that and i think a lot of people really don't understand what domestic violence is and the many forms that it comes into so Mm -hmm. if you could share us a little bit more about your story with domestic violence and how you've managed to successfully not be um a victim but i mean you're a victim but not you're right, a survivor, like a survivor. You're a survivor. Right, exactly yeah, yeah. so one thing that's important to know because you said you didn't know that that was, a, was domestic violence domestic violence is two things it's power and control mm. that's it and people often think of it as just physically mm-hmm. um i can say wholeheartedly that i've i've been strangled my, my head's been beat up against the wall i've been knocked out And the most detrimental part about domestic violence for me was the emotional and verbal abuse and the harassment. Um, That 100% was most, it scarred me the most. And financial abuse is um, a form of abuse. Um, I for sure felt financial abuse during our marriage. Um, He made a lot of money. um, And we didn't sleep on a mattress until like two years into our marriage. Uh, just he, I had, I slept in a blow up bed through in a full pregnancy and, um, the both of you guys or just you, both of us. Yeah. Uh Like he wouldn't furnish the house. Um, he wouldn't spend any money like, um, and then the one thing that I was addicted to is Starbucks. (laughs) It would just drive him nuts and I would get it. I would be abused over it. Um, but then he'd go off and buy me like a $5,000 ring out of nowhere. Like, it just didn't make sense. Um, So financial abuse is is real. Um, There's obviously many other forms of abuse that people suffer through. Mm -hmm. So you were going through this while you were pregnant, well, before you were pregnant, while you're pregnant, while you're... Starting Verona and everything. Starting Verona. How, 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 How do you do all of that and still... I feel like in some way it was my way to find happiness. Like I needed something for myself, you know, like I didn't want to, I was losing so much of me, uh, during, uh, during the marriage that it was like my glimmer of hope, you know? And like, I did it out of love for wanting to spread, uh, women, you know, the confidence, you know, spread to, for women to be confident in the hijab and stuff. So that was my intention, but like subhanAllah, I never intended it for it to be like a business to hopefully help provide yeah. and it, it turned into that mm. so wow. I did it like where we're shipping out of my closet you know and then within like a year we're having it like a warehouse and everything um yeah so I, I feel like it was just like something that you know when you're in that you you look for something some glimmer of hope uh when you're when you're in this like horrible situation so now that you can look back at the situation were there any red flags that you noticed from the beginning like hmm I noticed that, or is this some of the things that develop and come out throughout different situations in the relationship? So one of the things is I rushed into it. You know, I don't recommend anybody to rush into. You really have to get to know them, have to get to know their family. Mm-hmm. Had I gotten to know his family, um, he's got great sisters, mashallah. Yeah. Like, I feel like I would have learned more about his past and things that um, would have come to light had I taken my time. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like, I was, I felt like there was this, he filled a, a gap in me, you know, where, um, I'm feeling he's charming and he's 
you know, charismatic. Mashallah, he's giving khutbahs at the masjid. He's doing all his prayers. He's doing dawah on the street. So he fits this perfect Muslim. And like we were explaining, you know, talking about earlier, is like, you know, there's these perfect Muslims out there, but then their actions at home are completely different. Yeah. So he fit the bill. Had I taken my time to get to know him, I think I would have seen more of these flags, but it was so camouflaged with this perfect Muslim, yeah. perfect yeah. Muslim. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I'm, I have a similar, not story personally, but I have uh, people that are close to me and my family that are going through the same thing where the guy pops up and he's doing this right and he's doing that right and he's like, I want to marry. And it happens quickly because like, like we were saying, we want to stay away from the haram. Mm-hmm. But then, slowly but surely, There's the a process. Real, the, you should need to go through the process. Yeah. You really, really do. So, so then let me let me ask you this: Then, can you break that down? Can you break down the process that you went through? And then, is it a time thing? Is it just a matter of you didn't ask the right questions in that time frame? Like, why do you say it's rushed? Um, well, we got married after like a month, <laughs> so oh, like, right, like then, there's then no like, like there's no sugarcoating yeah, it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, for me personally, one of the things that like I learned, and this is maybe a slightly off topic, but just in any relationship, is you have to love yourself first before you get into a marriage because you cannot expect that person to fill that gap. They need to make your life better. Like, but they, but you need to also be happy without them because they they should not be your source of happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think when we switch the way we think about it, is we start to look for different things and partners in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people like think that abuse just all of a sudden happens like this. No, it's very slow and it's very subtle in the beginning. Um, little things happen and it's like that for a reason abusers are like that for a reason because if it was all bad all the time in the beginning people they would just leave right Mm -hmm. and we always ask why didn't she or he just leave it's so complicated because it does not just happen overnight the first sign that i knew something something was slightly off is i we were like first week of marriage i went out for a jog i jog almost every day i've already jogged this morning and I had all these like daisy clothes that I that I loved because I went to all these weddings for friends, and um, he's Pakistani. Like I don't like to, I don't like to claim like tell people what he is because people always ask. I'm only saying because it's relevant to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave them all away while I went. It was like a thousand dollars worth of clothes. I was like, where are all my where are all my dresses? I had like these like saris, and he's like, I don't want you wearing Pakistani clothes. And it was weird because he is Pakistani, yeah. you know what I mean? He didn't want, but he, he didn't want that. So boom, $1,000 worth of my clothes was like out the door. And I was like, but I loved those. And he's like, I don't want you wearing them. What is it? Power and control. Yeah. They want to control you and everything. Hmm. That was the first like subtle, I mean, it's not really <laughs> that subtle, but the first sign. And things get uh, worse and worse and worse over time. But there's a cycle of abuse that happens. It's the honeymoon stage. Everything's amazing. Mm-hmm. Abuse happens. And then there's remorse, and then it goes back to the honeymoon stage. Cycle. And every single time it happens, uh, you're broken down bit by bit by bit, mm-hmm. and then they, they pull you in more and more. And then you feel mm-hmm. less uh, empowered to leave every single time. Wow. So I, I try to kind of, when thinking about abusers, is it one of those things where they've always been abusers? Can someone just become an abuser? 
Now here's the here's something that has not been said publicly because I've only done like one DV interview this month yeah. um, and I haven't spoken about it for a long time. He's changed a lot, and like uh, and it's this past year. So it's like this one thing where it's like, can they change? Yeah. Um, Subhanallah. Like, I don't know what happened, what changed in him, but he has made like leaps and bounds as a human being. On he like treats me with respect now. It's, I almost don't know how to handle it. Wow. Uh, um, are they always an abuser? Well, he was a victim of abuse as a child, wow. you know? Mm. So I'm, there's a lot of different way, reasons why people become abusers. Um, I would say the number one reason is that they were abused themselves yeah. because broken people hurt other people. Mm. People who love themselves don't hurt other people. So, so how do you then go from that situation to being whole by yourself now? Like, how did I rebuild myself? Yeah, yeah. how did you rebuild yourself? So Because like you said, you have to love yourself. So how did you go from that situation to the process of rebuilding and self-love? So I, I think that that's, you know, what I was explaining earlier is like when you feel like you hit rock bottom, you know, that's the time when you rebuild yourself. And that's what I did for myself. Um, it's kind of like, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. Like I've... In, in my mind, I've been through the worst of the worst. Um, I need to do things for myself. I need to do things for Allah, and I need to do things for my children. You know, um, it, it's, I stopped caring about what everybody else thought, mm-hmm. and that's when I started to rebuild myself. Mm-hmm. Who, who were some of the key individuals that helped you, and who did you kind of reach out to and you kind of surprised of the responses? Because I know a lot of individuals that may be going through this, but like, well, stay for the kids. You know, like do it for the kids. You are leaving for the children. You are not doing them any favors by staying. But I have to be very careful when I say this because I'm saying it in a context of women having, and abuse does happen to men too, but we're speaking Mm -hmm. in the context of women. Um, Not everybody just has this luxury to leave and it's very difficult. Mm. So when there is the option, and that's what we're speaking about, when there is an option to leave and they think that they're they're helping the children because they don't want a broken family, that is not a family. That is not a family. The family is already broken if there is abuse in the home. That is not what a family is. Yeah. That that man is supposed to be your protector and your provider, not your perpetrator. And that's when you should leave because the reality is, is that when a child witnesses abuse, and again, I cannot stress this this enough, this is when they're able to leave. There is no blame on women that are staying because they have no option to go, where to go, and that's a real reality for women. Mm -hmm. So we cannot victim blame uh, for those who are, they have no choice but to stay because they have to make the decision. Am I going to put a roof over my kid's head or am I going to take a beating? You know, like, and they, it's a real decision. Um, and I want those that feel like they can't leave. There are other options. There are women's shelters to go to, and there's no shame in having to do that when, um, you're doing it for you and your children, but it's not an easy road. It's not. And I understand why some women choose to stay because it's very difficult. However, it is much better for the children to leave. Um, children that witness it are, a million times more likely to become abusers or go into um, abusive situations later on when they're older. Mm. It's as the trauma for them is as if they've experienced the abuse themselves and women and children often sometimes are the victims as well. They're sometimes 
getting the um, abuse too. Wow. So now, now that you're in this this state now, right? And now I mean Virginia. I mean like you're in a yeah. you're in a you seem like you're in a good place. Like you're rebuilding brick by brick. What do you find is your source of motivation? My children, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so like beyond thankful for having a happy home. There's laughter. There's you know like. I, this is the childhood that I really wanted them to have. You know, I'm just so beyond thankful for that. So, yeah. And 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 what do you see like for them going forward? Right, because now you're in a new environment. They they have a new life essentially. Mm-hmm. What do you hope for them as a mother, like as a businesswoman? Like, what do you want them to be able to experience out of life? I pray for their happiness. I want, I pray for, you know, their safety, their happiness, and to be on the right path. You know, I want them to be strong members of the Muslim community. I want them to not be afraid to be, you know, to be loud and proud as a Muslim. I want to instill that in them. That's what I want out of, you know, um, I, I want them to whatever choice they make in life that they're, that they're doing it to please Allah first, Mm -hmm. um, and that they're happy, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and, and I asked that because, you know, you've been through hell and back with them and they've, they're your ride or dies. Of, but they don't even know. They were so young, you know, mm-hmm. they, they witnessed a lot. Um, witness like Ilias, my, my oldest, he witnessed me being strangled, but he was like one and a half. And so he has no memory of it. And I'm thankful he has no memory of it. And um, I want him to see his father as like, they have a great relationship. He loves the kids. Um, that's another thing that always holds you back, but they're a good father. Yeah, yeah, I actually went yeah. to it. Yeah. I, I went to um, a women's shelter with the kids at one point because women a lot of times go and come back and they, I think they leave around 11 times before they actually, actually end up leaving. And I said, but he's a good father. And she's like, a bad husband is a bad father because a, and I, when, when I decided, I was like, I'm going to go back. He's, he's going to get help. He's going to get help. Um, and that's what she told me. And I'll never forget that. Um, what, what did she mean by that? Because uh, at the, I know I'm like throwing out like scenarios is what happened because it's like the whole, it, yeah, you guys don't okay. know everything that happened. Um, I went to a, a, a safe space. I escaped. Um, he begged me to come home mm-hmm. and he was going to change. That's often what yeah. abusers do. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Yeah. So I finally, I was like, okay, maybe he, maybe he's going to change this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, told the, the case um, manager, I was like, he's going to change. He's going to get help. He's a good, but he's a good father, you know, because you, what are you doing? You're, you're trying to do something for your children. Yeah. She said, a, a bad husband is a bad father. So it's like recognizing that the way that the man and wife treat each other is representative of who they are as parents too. Your job (laughs) is to be a role model in how you act, not just telling the kids this is how you act. I have to live and breathe it. If I'm telling them to respect people, I need to show respect to everybody else and respect them too. That goes hand in hand what you were saying before about being... Muslim and showing that you have to live and breathe it. Yeah, and that and 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 that's very interesting because. I kind of want to hear your advice. What are some things that young women should look for in a partner? Because now, you know, I'm glad that I'm married and I see these young single women. The top two, three, top two, three things they look for is like, does he have an established career, right? Mm-hmm. Second is he, does he pray? And the third one is like, is he, is he cute? 
you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a real thing. Like, I think it's a legitimate, like, you got to be attracted to him. Let's try to, act, try, to, try to act like it's not a real thing. Go on. You know, because a lot, of, a lot of them do try to throw off, I don't care about looks. Uh, yes, like, you do. I care, and I will say it loud and proud. Like, I care. Oh, for real? Oh, for real? <laughs> and you guys do, too. Like, oh, like, no, 100%. Yeah. Sure? You got no, no. to be bad. No doubt. Right? But what are some other things that... How does he treat other people is very important because they're going to treat you like you are their world if they're trying to win you over. But how does he treat everybody else? (laughs) I treat everybody well. Don't play. No, no, I'm not not playing at you. I'm saying it's it's true, though, because, you know, one this one girl told me that she watches very closely how he interacts with the mother. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. You know, And, and, and I think. For me, on the, on this journey, you know, you talk about self-love and things like that. One of the things I've been sharing up a lot is my relationship with my family. Because I feel like if, if your relationship with your family, the people that have known you your whole life isn't good, and then you try and go and start a new family, it's like your whole foundation is crumbled already. Yeah. So how can you build a house on top of that? Unless, like, some people have been given, you know, challenges where their family is not the easiest. Oh, That's certainly, a, certainly, yeah, certainly. It, 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 when it's a case of, like, your family's supportive and, you know, you know, treats you good and stuff. But I agree with you in that context. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. when you had your nikah, right, mm-hmm. and you got married, that's supposed to be a ceremony and a time where the community is involved. And they make that announcement. Like, hey, these two, you know, uh, uh, par- these two individuals are partners now, you mm-hmm. know. But it's also a sense of accountability because if anything happens, you're supposed to go to those individuals that, what, experience the nikah. So when you were kind of going through your thing, did you reach out to the community or was it just a select few individuals just because you had to be very strategic and smart in regards to how you moved? You're talking about with when the abuse started happening? Yeah, yeah. I kept it from my family the entire time uh, for me. Um uh, I didn't want to reiterate a stereotype. I'm like, I'm, you know, a revert to Islam. I marry a Muslim and then he beats me. Uh, wow. So it was something that held me back the entire time. I was so afraid of speaking out for that reason. Wow. And the people I did talk to was his mother. His mother witnessed a lot of it firsthand because she was living with us. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to his sisters and I talked to... Um, uh, his brother-in-laws, like the ones married to his sister. Yeah. So they all knew what was going on. Um, it, it's this, it, it was, a, it was, a, it's difficult for me too, because I, I, I feel like there were good intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I think when we think about abuse and, and when you're in the face of it and you're witnessing it, we can't have this rationalization. Let's, let's sit down and talk about it. And that's what was happening. Yeah. There was no, Abusers, if there's not consequences in front of them and there's no one that they're afraid of, they will continue it. Because yeah. if that's all they're going to talk, it'd be like, uh, let's, let's sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like as if we're having like normal marital problems. I'm like, did you hear me? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm telling you, he beat the crap out of me. Yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? And um, then, I, then there's also the other aspect. When you're in that moment, you want someone to pick you up out of the situation and rescue you and just take you away and the reality is is you're not going to truly get out of it until you make the decision to leave yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no matter how difficult it is um you have to be the one to decide i know more i'm going to leave oh that's powerful you know because you 
you've given the power back to yourself exactly instead of other individuals because when you give to others you're waiting for that affirmation you're waiting you're waiting for for that confirmation like somebody somebody knock on your door like lisa today's the day you leave yeah you have to make the decision to leave but again i don't you can't we can't fault people that don't because um not everybody's able to and um but I, I want people to know that it's like there are resources to get out. There are safe spaces for women. Like utilize those resources and do not be ashamed to. <laughs> and I really like that you put in the context around it because people can just take information and just run with it, you know, and that can be pretty detrimental to their situation. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, yeah. One of the most interesting things that I've learned uh, recently about good looks that I've learned about domestic violence and how we can help on the outside is that it it isn't as gung, you can't go gung ho and help. You can't just walk out there and be like, you know, yeah, you need to stop it because it makes it so complicated. Yeah. It makes it worse almost. Yeah. And so we, you know, as men, right. As, as men that pride ourselves on saying, Hey, we are on the side of women in all forms and fashions. Meaning, if we know that you're going through something, we're here to help, like mm-hmm. reach out. But to look at it and be like, it's so nuanced that we can't just run up in the house and, and save you or help. It it makes it very complicated for us to almost comprehend. Yeah. So for people that want to help, people that are well-intended, how can they help someone I, in that situation? I, everybody that wants to help maybe have good intentions, right? But not everyone's help is good help. That's the truth. Because people have good intentions, um, but sometimes they can make things worse. I recommend, too, that when... Because it, it is draining when you're on the other end of it, and you see something clear. I was I don't know if you know Hakima, but I just... Um, she lives here in the area. Hakima Cummins? Yeah. yeah. She's one of my friends. So right. she and I... Uh, um, and this is public, so she can talk about it, but she had a friend that was going through it, and mm-hmm. she didn't know how... She was doing the best she could, and she, for her, she said, things were clear as day. Um, and she was telling her friend, this is abuse, this is abuse, but, um, you know, she was just praying that she was doing everything she could to help. It's not easy to be in that position mm-hmm. when you're the friend helping. Yeah. So I recommend, um, going to a professional, you know what I mean? Say, Hey, I have this friend going through, what can I do? Can I connect you guys? Can maybe give them resources? Um, I think always providing them resources, just knowing that you're there, you're not judging them throughout the situation because uh, it is a process to get to that decision. I, I'm ready to leave. It is mm-hmm. very difficult to get to that point. Yeah. So tell us some of the information or just content that you were just consuming throughout this process. Like how did you get your your mind right? You know what I mean? Because a lot of people can say like, well, I'm going through this, but I don't want to embarrass myself by letting people know what's going on. Okay, so that's a very good question actually. Huh? We have wired our brain to think that the survive, the victim and survivor needs to be the one that has shame. No, the perpetrator needs to have that shame. Mm-hmm. I do not have an ounce. I'm not embarrassed or shamed at all for what I went through. I did not cause that. So we need to rewire the way we think and say, no, this is not my fault. This is what was done to me and not feel that shame. The perpetrator is who needs to feel that shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and we have to start dispelling that narrative, as especially as men, because yeah. we often look on the outside, and then we're like, it's a savior mentality. I feel like a lot of guys have the savior mentality, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. And then, me. and then you <laughs> trust me, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah. So so all right, you know that firsthand, then right? So much so that we 
look at guys like I feel like we have a friend that's going through something yeah. in the source of domestic violence. Would never admit it. You could go in there and be like, everything's cool, but emotional 100%. abuse is yeah. definitely there, yeah. right? And and it's it's difficult because as guys, we'll all be like, man, that's a man. Like, let him. Let him just do him, bro. Like, stop, stop, you know, the being man all is the one being abused. Or yeah, like in, in your friend groups, right? In men friend groups, a mm-hmm. lot of friends would be like, yo, like, bro. abuse on men is real. Yeah, it's real. We don't talk about it enough because men are told to be you suck it up and you yeah. be a man. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and you know, I, I want to always make sure I do mention no, there is lots of abuse on men. And I think in some ways they face a different challenge because it's like they have, like they need to suck it up and be quiet about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not, abuse on men or women is never acceptable at all. I don't think a lot of men even know when they're being abused mm. at all. Because like, majority of the abuse that does happen statistically is like, uh, just because of the, you know, the physical dynamics is that it's going to be more emotional abuse towards the abuse that is happening. That's what's going to, they're going to suffer. You know, there is physical abuse that um, some men, um, you know, face, but a lot of it's emotional from the type of abuse they have. And like I said, emotional abuse can be 10 times worse. Because it 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 scars you. It It breaks you. Yeah, Yeah, because a bruise can heal. You exactly. know what I mean? But the heart is something that takes a long time. And then on top of that, what's alarming is that you can say as men or anybody from the outside, when a, a, a woman or individual comes up saying, hey, I'm being abused, it's like, what did you do wrong? Yeah. It's always like, yeah. why? Well, why couldn't you have made him yeah. or her happy? Yeah. 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 What did you do to, mm-hmm. to cause it? Mm-hmm. And then people will ask that and be serious. Well, what happened? Like, tell me. Like, a, an abuser... It, it, Someone with a rational mind is not going to be an abuser. Like, I, I would be like, it, honestly, like, uh, the reality is, is I got abused because I bought the wrong toothpaste one time. Like, literally. And when I tell you about financial abuse is that I was not to, allowed to buy the one that was expensive. I had to buy the cheaper brand. Mm-hmm. And I chose to buy it because it was, like, on sale when I got to Walmart. And I came home, he saw it, and he threw, um, he threw glass at me. So like, and this is because I bought the wrong product. It, it, like you, people need to realize that an abuser will get ticked off over anything and everything. Yeah. Cause almost in his mind is like, she's not you listening. She's not listening. Exactly. She's not listening. Power she's and control. Me. Power and control. You know, we, we talk a lot about this and I don't think it goes as far as domestic abuse, but I think the male ego is going through a, a crazy shift right now. Heck yeah. And in so many ways because as we sit here with a straight baller of a businesswoman, right? <laughs> like, like right now, you look in the Muslim community specifically, the woman, the one is doing everything. They host the events. They do all, they have more majority of the businesses that are actually doing things. They do a lot of the fundraising. They do everything. And then they're on the front lines because they cover up. So it's just, it's there in your face, Right. A lot of the men don't know how to react to women naturally because of the situation being in the limelight because they feel like I should have that. And they don't know how to adjust their their ego or their nefs to it. And so you're starting to see a lot of dudes get this jealousy, this this 
this competitive nature towards women where it's almost it's like we're supposed to help uplift yeah. not yeah. not be You're competing against each yeah, other. yeah yeah not feel jealous but that's what the current climate is right now where it's like it's me versus you and if you do well i have to do better than you and if I can't do better than you, then I have to a bring A real you down. partner is going to want to see you succeed. That's a real partner to me. Whether it's like both spouses have to be there to uplift each other and try to make the best versions of yourself. Um, but I think that that type of mentality starts in the childhood. I have two sons, and I think like, you know, when we're talking about the context of abuse or, to, or just in the case of like a healthy relationship and not being intimidated by a woman, mm-hmm. is that they need to have, like we keep talking about self-love. I need to build my kids up to not feel like... A woman being powerful, they're somehow intimidated by it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like, I feel like a lot of that stems from the men's point of view, from a financial point, right? Because for us... I mean, look at Khadija. She was yeah. a powerful businesswoman. Yeah. If we really want to... like. We, we shouldn't just say these stories just for the heck of it. Like, they're real. She's right. You know, think about those stories when you're going through it. They're man. like, yeah. it's like a story, yeah. and then you go on with your reality. Like, Khadija no. had a lot of money, so pun a lot. My wife is not going to go work. Like... <laughs> That, that was 1,400 years ago, I not, know, not the 2021. The uncle the talking about Khadija, and then she no, my wife stays at home. <laughs> like, oh, my, so like, funny. save me. Like, we, these are real stories for a reason. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, like, we should be uplifting the sisters in our community. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about leadership. Because you run a company and you are the leader of your family right now, alhamdulillah. A lot of women these days are saying that I need a man to lead. He needs to be the one leading. And then they give him the power to make all the decisions in a way. Is that what real leadership is? Well, see, leadership is not control. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like people confuse, like maybe I want to be powerful in my... Um, I might upset a lot of people with this, no, hey, but look, I'm always this is, like, this is the perfect real, place to do that. <laughs> this is the perfect place to upset some I people. I would prefer keep the husband right. to be more of a leadership role. Like that's the reality of it. That's my personal opinion. Um, I think people think just because I'm out there like wanting to be a leader in business that I'm somehow going to be the exact same person in a relationship. No, I'm probably the exact opposite. Mm. Um, I will piss off a lot of people with this comment. <laughs> like, I, I just, just having been, like, I am the provider for my kids. And I, I think there's a lot of wisdom behind, you know, um, there's certain roles for a reason that I don't know if it, it's like, I do feel like the man should be the provider and the leader of the family. But I think it gets twisted when it's a means of control and power. You're there to be there as um, uplifting each other. Mm. So... When I'm like trying to be very careful. No, no, I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I don't want to. Can you, can you be a little bit specific when it comes to provider? I think that that needs to be broken down a little bit because we think providing is just, there's just money. Yeah. There's a lot of women that take advantage of it. Let's be real. Like yeah. I, I will be the first person that, you know, if my husband cannot provide, I guarantee you would be stepping up and making sure every, anything I'm able to do to provide. We should, there's also this mentality is like, you take care of me. Like, mm-hmm. no, you need, uh, or, or in my opinion, as a wife, it's like, if you have the ability to, and your man needs help, like, I believe the right thing to do is help with every penny that you have. Step up. Uh, and like, that's yeah. my opinion. Like that to me is not like a good marriage. If you're going to sit there and like watch your man struggle while you're, you know, 
shopping nonstop. No, there's a difference <laughs> between like the there being a sincerity behind the husband wanting to make sure you're well provided and you know protected. Mm-hmm. But if he needs help and you have the ability to, you better believe. For me, I would every penny I could. Doesn't also being a provider mean providing a safe space, a, a space haven for a woman yeah. to be who she is and, and being gentle and, and expressing it? Because one thing that my wife and I talked about is that a lot of men are just like, man, my wife is, is nagging. She's talking a lot. Mm-hmm. And I tell my wife, I was like, the day that you stop telling me things, that's when we have a problem. I want, I, think, you, I want you to let me know what's going on. I want yeah. to like let me know how you're feeling and what I can do better and what's going on. Because when you become quiet, you may go talk to somebody else about that because I'm not giving you that space and that ability to be yourself, to be free and allow things to flow between us. Yeah, 100%. I, I think in general, like men and women want two different things. And one of the things that women want, I'm probably going to, like people are going to, that's not true. I'm going to get so many hateful comments. Every like situation that. is different, obviously. So <laughs> please refer to your local message. <laughs> Let me put a disclaimer after every single thing I'm saying because I'm about to get so many hate messages. Like women want to feel like it's their safe space, mm-hmm. like you said, and they want to be able to feel like they can express themselves. Women want to talk. like we want to let it out and sometimes like sometimes men are the more like let's find a solution and i don't give a crap about what you feel you know what i mean like let's just get to the bottom of it you know but women want to kind of work through those emotions and let it out and Mm -hmm. they need to feel like they're in that space where they can they can vent and and let it out you know I'm going to get a lot of hateful. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's interesting, too, because I remember <laughs> I was talking to Jabril. I was like, if you're talking to a woman or courting them and they're going through something, make sure that you exhaust that. Because if you don't exhaust it, it's going to come up tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, after, yes, it will. Or the, oh, or, yes, it will. <laughs> or, or the year after. So, like, if it takes you a week to resolve that problem, take that week. Take it like, serious. Yes, she disregarded six of my solutions, <laughs> but I need to hear her out. <laughs> exactly, because from there, and then I was telling Jabril, as men, sometimes, not sometimes, what we need to do is keep things moving. For example, it's like, all right, you know, like, wifey or partner, is that everything that we had to speak about? Okay, are we, are we good? Like, are you in a good space? Okay, cool. Now that we're good, from here on forward, because this is resolved, don't bring it up. Not in regards to don't bring it up, but we... we Let's we, move we, past we, it. Yes, we've yeah. resolved it. Yeah. Let's keep... Because that back and forth sometimes can drive men crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or just yeah. be like, yo, we just, we, just, we just talked about that. We just... We just had, like, what? What's going on? I you feel know? you. I feel you. So... I'm not the perfect person at that. Just <laughs> <laughs> we're, all, hey, we're all working on it. We are all... That is not a strong part. It's a flaw of mine. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that's something that we're all... Are working on and the toughest thing that I see for men is just that emotional side because sometimes we can get real cold and yeah. the reason why we're giving you solutions is because we, we're just so logical like well it, you know one plus one equals two you yeah. know what I mean so it's not much emotion about it. and a woman much love bring that 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 we emotion every and emotion that plethora, exactly yeah. the plethora yeah. of love and sometimes it's like we don't it's not that we don't want to provide it we just don't know how to access that you yeah. know and and as men Jabril teach me all the time like you, you got to read mm-hmm. <laughs> read books educate yourself if yeah. not you're going to be just keep on hitting that same brick a wall a lot of times it's just listening a really? lot of times it is just listening yeah. like we just want to be heard just like everybody else you know mm-hmm. what i mean so i think that that's 
That's my advice to you and your your wife. Just listen take to notes, it. fellas. Listen, yes. <laughs> listen. But that is a very hard skill to develop, though. Like just to sit and not as you think about a solution the whole time. Yeah, you're just like you're, you're just like, like I gave like, you a solution <laughs> at the beginning. No, hear her out. <laughs> I promise you. Well, is it is it simply listening to listen or is it empathizing, like, yeah. like and engaging in the conversation? Mm. How did that make you feel? I'm giving you a relationship advice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, from, from from our perspective, looking at, you know, you and what you've accomplished, you're, you represent, in my mind at least, a lot of these Muslim women out here that are doing things. Because like I said before, a lot of the Muslim men are playing catch-up in regards to social status in terms of jobs and things like that, which is is difficult for a lot of guys because the the paradigm has shifted over the last 30, 40 years where it was like men do X and Z kind of work. Women do this kind of work. But now with social media, with, Mm -hmm. you know, Instagram and influencer and things like that, it's like it's shifted in a way where women now are traveling the world, getting brand deals with crazy brands. And they're Mm -hmm. doing the things that in our minds growing up, we're like, oh, I would love to do this. And those options aren't exactly there for us in the same capacity. So you're looking at it and you're you're like, well, how do I compete? How do I, how do I support that without feeling inferior? And I think that comes up for a lot of guys. And I think it comes up for a lot of guys, and that's why there's so many single Muslim women that are very successful because they haven't figured out how to do that for themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, where it's kind of like they have that option to, like, that taste of freedom and they're like, I'm not going to be yeah. locked down. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. the men, it, the men, the only experiences that you get in a lot of communities is the men goes out and work. The woman stays at home and she stays on lockdown. And essentially he's kind of on lockdown because that's all he ever does. And that's all she ever does. There's no, there's no uh, freedom within a relationship. And that's a lot it's a of balance what we're seeing. on both ends, to be honest. I think yeah. it's, in my opinion, you know, if any situation, whether it's the male or the female that's out doing things nonstop, it's like family needs to come first. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my opinion. Um, and we need to, yes, career is important, but at the end of the day, you can't, uh, it's not coming with you to the afterlife, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So I think we have this like society, this is not outside of the Muslim community where it's like, you got to achieve your goals and got to do this. And it's, it's so mm-hmm. dunya driven, mm-hmm. you know? Like, the, we have to always ask ourselves, why are we doing this? You know, is this bringing me closer to Allah? Um, and it's good to have goals. It's good to have ambitions. Um, but there are things that come above it. Mm. So how do you balance that? How do you balance motherhood? Yeah. Dunya. <laughs> Business of the life. <laughs> Biz, like, how, look. I mean, first of all, let's get this real. Let's not put this out like I'm some perfect person. Like, yeah, for I sure. I try. Sure. I try. I mean, the reality is, it's just I'm practical. I'm very strict on my schedule. I wake up, I, I pray Fajr, I get the kids ready to school, I go on my jog because I think that that's super important, gets you ready for the day. I do my dhikr in between while I'm working out. I get right into work. Uh, I have a schedule, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like I was saying earlier before we were recording, it's like, no, on the weekends, I put it away for my children. Like, I do have to provide for them. Uh, but I don't want them to always just, and like, alhamdulillah, I have that luxury to be able to put work away. Mm-hmm. You know, not every single mom has that luxury. They do have to like constantly be working um, to provide that obviously has to come first uh, when you're um, 
taking care of children. Mm -hmm. So I just try to always stay on a strict schedule and then every, every time has its place. So before I go to bed, read Quran, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like I try to, I try to make sure that everything's a balance. How How, how do you remain positive? How do you remain positive on a daily and how have you been able to make amends with your past and not let it kind of engulf you and kind of, kind of take over? I mean, gratitude is at the forefront of, like, who I am. I am always asking my children, what are you grateful for? Because the reality is, is um, we have so many blessings. Uh, We have so much to be thankful for. Yes, I had trauma. Yes, I I went through this. But Mm -hmm. I'm a survivor, not a victim, first and foremost. And um, I believe I went through it to help other women. That's my personal belief. Um, I believe Allah put me in this position um, because right at the time that I spoke out, I was like, New York Times interview, CNN interview, like random things just like totally came in my, and I was like, I believe I'm in this position for a reason and no one knew the reality of what I was facing in behind the scenes. Uh, yes, I'm not this massive influencer. I'm not this huge, massive platform, but the platform that I do have, I felt like I need to use it for good. I like that because what I'm getting from this conversation from you is, is language. Language is so important. You're saying I'm a survivor, not a victim. Yeah. yeah, my past was hard, but look all the beautiful things I have now. Yeah, I have that- so much to be grateful for. And I constantly, you know, there's sometimes I'm still fighting it now. And mm-hmm. I think this is going through my, you know, healing process that I'm so afraid of like, I have so many blessings. I'm like, there's this part of me. It's like, I don't want to lose it, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like learning to accept the blessings and be like, alhamdulillah, like Allah has like provided. I have blessings. Mm-hmm. I need to accept them, you know, not be so afraid of, afraid mm. of it. So I, I like that because Jibril and I spoke about it. We sometimes self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy of all these great things that are coming. I'm not worthy to be this great business mogul to have a great relationship so what do we do we just shut ourselves off yeah saying that we're not worthy but everybody everybody's worthy right yeah. so every everybody has the ability and the chance to be happy or to be successful or to just be grateful for the things around them but they have to make that decision themselves just like you said earlier if somebody wants to leave or get out of their situation they have to take that power and say i'm gonna do this for me yeah 100 so. so what what advice do you give to anyone that is struggling just in general, right? Like Corona has been, I try to, we can curse on here. I was in Florida where like no one cared about Corona. Like, I, it's this running joke that I, that I'm like this Trump supporter, anti-masker and I didn't believe Corona was real. Like, <laughs> cause I have like, this like Florida vibe with like, me. Like, here, right? I, no, like, she came in, like you came into Virginia, like and shell shock because you're like people are still wearing masks i know i'm like, like, I'm like, like i snow. forgot my mask do you have one like i'm wearing <laughs> like you don't have like 50 in your car no yeah but, sorry to but, but like how like how amidst all the craziness that's been going on right like you said your life's not perfect you got a lot of stuff going on aside from you know the obvious with domestic violence just the hecticness of life how do you manage to find the motivation just to not say you know i can take an easy route i can just 
you know, do something that's a little bit more selfish and just concentrate on me, my kids, and that's it. No Verona collection, no extra activities, just simple. I feel like that, like, real happiness is like having a purpose. You know what I mean? And um, I don't think I would be truly happy if I was just going about my life knowing that I'm not, you know, trying, at least trying to make change. I often question myself, like, am I doing enough? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To help. Because there are moments where I feel like I need to step away from, like, DV or... um, Because I need... It's like it does get a lot to talk about all the time. Um, You know, but I feel like if I've been given an opportunity to help, I need to take it. And that's Allah saying you need to do something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be a position of, you know, Verona collection and I, and I want to spread the hijab and let women to be proud of it. Or if it's, I mean, it's of DV. Um, it's not in my blood to just like sit around and just be like mediocre. Like I want to make sure that like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it to the best of my ability I am giving it my all, um, and I'm hopefully, hopefully making change. Nice. You nice. Know, do something, Inside do it right, and yeah. do it with a smile. Do it right yeah. all the way, yeah. <laughs> or don't do it at all, you know? Yeah, be thorough with it. I, I think that's one thing my mom was, like, jam-packing into my character, which is be thorough. She would always say, I'd clean the room, put everything underneath the bed, and she would look at me like, just be thorough with it. Like, if you're going to start it, finish it. Mm-hmm. And don't just start and finish, but own it yeah right like do it don't half-ass it yeah and you seem like you have that you don't have a half-ass mentality I, not at all yeah. like I'm kind of like do it or do it right or don't do it at all that's that's yeah. my like mentality and it can be a, it can be a, like a, a crutch sometimes because sometimes you're putting like unnecessary pressure on yourself yeah. and you're stressing yourself out and you're like you know it's fine like you need to sometimes be able to be like it's good. I can do that tomorrow. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like I will like stress yeah. myself out. You know what I mean? I pack my day like crazy. Um, and, but I need to kind of sometimes learn to, to let go. Well, yeah. listen, you don't get to be an NCAA national <laughs> softball <laughs> player. <laughs> you don't get to get to that point, but Lisa, no, thank you. Like, even though you have this crazy past schedule, you found yeah. the time to sit down, talk with us mm-hmm. and, Open up your home to to my like semi furnished home. Hey, hey you got <laughs> chairs at the table. Look, I, I, look for all the OG podcast uh, viewers, like y'all know how it was. At one point, literally, I moved into my apartment and we put the equipment on boxes and we're sitting on the floor and just like that's the way to do it. Yeah, but but it, it's nice. It's nice because now you look back and we're like, okay, we we chilling in here and uh and on a table, right? Like you appreciate. <laughs> like <how this> is- <laughs> You appreciate the little things, you know. What <laughs> yeah, I mean? exactly. But so, yeah, no, I was saying, if um, what's coming up for you? Like, what's next? What What's on the horizon? Well, we're about to, you know, relaunch Verona, inshallah, and hopefully, uh, it's gonna be a success. Um, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm like working in the nonprofit sector a lot. So that's, you know, something that we didn't even touch on that, but that's something I'm very passionate about. Um, and then I have another goal of mine for photography, which I should keep private. Yes. You want to know where you're taking it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Speaking before we existence. end off then, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in the nonprofit space. Because we always want to use our platform to, you know, help exactly. and push 
our audience to do that? Um, so I, I am like a brand ambassador for uh, Muslim Aid USA, and we're actually um, fundraising for domestic violence this month, um, and we are um, raising funds for transitional homes for women and children. Uh, it's different than a safe space. Um, safe space are basically shelters, because mm-hmm. um, what happens is, is when a woman... Um, uh, goes to a shelter and she leaves and finally, you know, t- gets the courage to go. You can only be there for three months. No one can rebuild your life in three months yeah. and having to all of a sudden find a new job, find a way to provide yourself, get a new place. Mm-hmm. So transitional homes uh, allow for a year or two for them to rebuild their lives, um, and that's what we're raising funds for. Got you, got you, and that's that's great because we don't know. Uh, again, we don't know what that's like and it, what that sounds very similar to is uh uh like prisoners or converts that come out and they're like where do i go now and mm-hmm. they get back in the cycle that's how they end up back in so yeah that's that's amazing and thank you for that work so how can they find out more not only about what you're doing with muslim a but also verona collection if they want to get flying guys this is not for you so. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know how many times are like, when are you coming out with the men collection? I'm like, never. Look, you know what? You just opened up a can of worms. I had a big question on here to ask. Okay, go, why, go for it. Why is, there, why is there no dope Muslim collection? Like, I mean, there needs to be because, like I said, I was like, it would be really cool to have this, like, Thope-inspired, but, like, partial American, like, vibe going yeah. on for fashion. I think it would be really cool. But the reality is, is that women spend five times as much on clothing as men. That's one. I mean, this hoodie. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee you wore that yesterday <laughs> and the day before. Yeah. <laughs> men do not switch up their clothing or go shopping for the most tea. part. I, I hate shopping. Tea. Exactly. I, I, hate I know we're throwing out like every stereotype in this podcast. It's true. It's so like, true, though. Be like, that's not true. I know. Like, no, it is real. There's a, there's statistics behind it. Women spend five times as much. So that's one. It's a business decision. Number mm-hmm. two. Um. You guys can buy anything. Like you don't yeah, have true. to sit there and yeah. find a sleeve down to the wrist and make sure your ankles covered yeah. and make sure there's no slit in the skirt. Oh, that's the last thing we think about. Though. Yeah, like come on, like you How guys do. This? <laughs> yeah, we're, like we're, if we go and buy a dress, we have to figure out like, oh my god, the arms are not covered. Now we got to find a hijab that matches no, that. It, like it, it's a real, nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So it's just not a. It's not a need. Like, let's just be real. <laughs> like, There's no market for it. Like, Gary, it's like, it's like, like, it's like how many, how many thobes do you have? Like two. And how often do you wear them? I wear it for Fodger and that's about it. Yeah, there you go. There's your, you answered your own question. I, I would not, be, I would not be your number one shopper. That's for exactly. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then you, you covered that. I thought that was yeah. going to be like this crazy. No, but I, I do it's, think it's, that it's as right far there. as like style aspect, it would be kind of cool to have like a cool, like urban vibe to like a thope i think it was oh you cool. haven't been to philly then oh really okay <laughs> oh, yeah philadelphia oh, yeah. that's yeah. okay that's what they do for moses e- just i think i'll open up a, a shop like yeah they uh, at the um was it king of prussia king yeah of prussia Mall. Yeah. yeah and that was that was really successful i, like, I would love really to visit well. a shop yeah yeah mm. yeah i mean they were only supposed to have it for ramadan and then oh they have it still yeah they still, oh, awesome. i believe they Mashallah. yeah i'm pretty Mashallah. sure he still has it going on i haven't been on social media in like a month so no i think he still has it from yeah. Uh, All right, yeah. cool. Um, yeah. So you guys go check that out, and maybe there'll be some Verona collection. Yeah, <laughs> maybe just maybe. But Lisa, thank you, thank yes. you for taking this time out. We love this, um, and hopefully we will have you back again, and we'll be talking about 
after the relaunch. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> so um, if anybody wants to find Verona Collection. Our Instagram's Verona Collection. Same with our Facebook, Verona Collection. And then uh, website, verona-collection.com. Nice. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, and if you guys want to find us, you mm-hmm. can find us at Young and Muslim, Y-O-U-N-G, the letter N, Muslim, on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. Make sure you guys go like, subscribe, and click the bell notification so when we post, ding, you'll get like a little ding, and you'll know it's us. Exactly. And to listen to all of our podcasts, you can find our podcast on any major streaming platform that you can find podcasts on, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Pandora, iHeartRadio. We are on there. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review, five stars only. Let yes. us know how we're doing. And if you leave us four stars, I mean, just stop listening. Don't, don't, <laughs> just don't come back, right? Just, what's the point? All right, but let's um, wrap this thing up, bro. Yeah, so how long have we been on, Mo? Hour 45. I don't think it's been that long because if you guys want to see the whole thing, you got to go to our Patreon <laughs> exactly. and subscribe to get that behind-the-scenes extended version of this episode. If so, not, you're only getting 45. Not the, <laughs> exactly. You not go, the other hour. You're going to get that short hour interview. <laughs> so for the amount of time that you guys have been listening to this episode, I am Jabil Salam. Muhammad Hassan. And we leave it with the greens of peace. I can't forget who else with us. So do we start over? Reverse, this is. <laughs> So for the last X amount of time, my name is Jabril Salam. Muhammad Hassan. And this is Lisa Vogel. And we leave you with the greens of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Peace. Peace.